Good morning, friends. It's Grania Tyndall here from Numbers for Success, and this is your weekly podcast. And today's date is Monday, January the 11th, 2021. And it is always with the greatest of pleasure and thanks. I thank you all for all the listeners. I have over two and a half thousand listeners now, which is really exciting, helping me to encourage me, to inspire me to continue doing these podcasts, which is the intention is to inspire and to get people to be able to look at life in a different way and to be able to view and learn from history, from the arts, from theatre, from psychologists, philosophers, wise wise women, wise men, whoever and whatever information I can gather that I can also pass on to inspire people through my own work as well as a numerologist and as a soul seer. And here we are at the very beginning again of a new year, January 2021. And I would have spoken last week in terms of the meaning of 2021 on a numerology basis but we also spoke about sort of envisaging what we can create our year to be and I'm a big advocate of the law of attraction and the law of supply and demand and so forth and they would be great teachers I would have followed and worked with like the likes of Andrew Carnegie he was a philanthropist who was one of the richest men in the world and not just because of the money but he just seemed to know and understand what to put energy into in order to make it work. And also the great teachers such as Louise Hay, Wayne Dyer, and also Florence Scovel Shin, who wrote one of my favourite books, The Game of Life and How to Play It. And it's a game that I've been teaching and a game I've been working and living with for most of my life. We all have the power to play the game of life. It's just knowing how to play it, as the good old Florence said. And she wrote that book back in... 1925 it was first published in New York and she used to speak the word so people would go to her it's something in the role that I do people come to me when they're usually at a crossroads in their life wanting to know which direction to go and like Florence I would always explain to people that people have a choice and when you reach that crossroads whilst I can be an oracle or a seer and give guidance on what I see is totally up to the individual who was across from me or on Zoom in this case, who um, is looking for the information. And that's very important. And that's the law of free will as well. So there's many laws that rule the universe. And it's something I feel as we continue on this extraordinary time uh, that we need to be uh, aware of. So maybe check out what are the laws of the universe. And today I'm sort of looking at... um, the law of envisaging what it is you want to bring into your life amongst other things and from our last season all of last year I worked with a podcast to do with the A to Z guide for solutions or solutions for everyday living and I'm continuing that again for 2021 but kind of with a different emphasis so last week was about the arts and I I spoke about uh, an article that Fintan O'Toole wrote from the Irish Times and where she equated what is going on in the arts to what happened back in the 1600s when uh, William Shakespeare was uh, making his way up the ladder of success. And here we are now, 2021, and we're going to talk for the letter B. And I believe it's about beginnings. And yes, we're beginning a new year, but we're also beginning 
a whole new earth. And I really don't say that lightly. Um, I really believe we are creating a new, completely new paradigm for our lives from now on. And the old, firstly, has to go. Like when you open your wardrobe and your wardrobe was burst into the seams with old clothes. Well, there's no room to bring in new clothes. You have to get rid of the old, pass it on or sell it or, or recycle it. And... What happens therefore you create a space, you create a vacuum and there's an expression that nature abhors a vacuum. So if you look at nature, when nature, when something is foraged or something is removed or cleared from the land, it makes way for new things. So just like now in 2021, we are entering into this new paradigm, this new way of being. And last week I referenced um, four, the four um, universal forces, which are love, death, power and time. And as this year begins, we discussed this last week, that those four elements can challenge each of us to reimagine and to revisage and to redream what is truly important in our lives. And it's something I feel that is extremely important right now. And we're all going to be affected by those four universal forces. So there's a wonderful Hopi elder and his name is Thomas Baniaki. And he reminds us in his teaching that in visiting, it's very hard to say, it is important to firstly stop, consider, change and correct Okay, so first we stop or pause so we can really see what is being revealed or what wants our attention and thoughtful consideration. And after we've stopped and considered what we have seen, we can change or take action. And then as we change and circumstances change, it is important to correct what does not support the vision and its manifestations. So... What do you need at this time in 2021, at the beginning of this year? What do you need to stop, consider, change and correct to better support what you envisage for yourself for 2021? So, for example, you might be wanting to do, you say, a training course online, okay, um, to learn something, maybe an art course. So you look it up. And you see what it appeals to you. And before you sign up, you stop to re-examine what this course is offering you. Right? Now, this is very basic, I know, but it just gives you an idea. Then you consider its likely impact on your progress. Will it truly help you to expand your skills and knowledge to what you want? You might discover that you have set your sights too small or, in fact, too high. And now it's time to revisit your vision and change it, widen it, broaden it, expand your possibilities. You may need a course to correct, to correct the course. So meaning perhaps something more intensive is in order, such as finding a highly skilled mentor or engaging in a longer study of period. period. The stop, consider, change and correct practice offers a way to align our vision with our choices. And this wonderful Hopi elder offers a powerful way to direct our own future, to manifest really what we truly want in life. And when we do this, particularly in January, 
which is really a beginning on a, on a regular calendar. We can also do this on your birth date. As numerologists, we say your new year is actually your birthday, but you can still do it both on your birthday to do all those evaluations plus the new year. And also, I just wanted to bring to your attention good old Carl Jung. I, I, I studied his work and, you know, he was big into the archetypes and the collective imagery. And he talked about in one of his writings that there is in the psyche a process that seeks its own goal, no matter what the external forces may be. So basically, this is the soul's persistent way of manifesting what is true for us in the four areas of love, death, power and time. And it usually does it in surprising ways. So like, for example, if you're not paying close attention to how you're actually living, the psyche will basically step in with unexpected events. So maybe, for example, you're having problems in your relationship and you're putting all your energy into that. And then suddenly out of the blue, something happens to get you to really look at your maybe financial solvency, right? The psyche will send you persistent messages to let you know what your real work is. And often these messages will come through surprising events that get your attention and help you realise that our ego's perceived agenda is not aligned with the soul's agenda. Okay, so as we begin a new year, it's really important to pay attention to repeated events that may run counter to our ego's ideas of where we think we are going and to the point of the actual work that is before us. So I feel that's a very important thing to be aware of. So look out for the maybe the signs that are there. Your ego might say you're meant to do certain things. And yet your soul or your psyche is giving you real guidelines as to what to look for. For example, I ask for signs all the time. And this week was my father's anniversary. He died 21 years ago. And I know I can feel him around me all the time, but I just, I like to play, you know, play little tasks and tricks on, on, on spirit. And I said, OK, I want you to show me signs around my dad. And what happened was um, when my father was dying 21 years ago, I was actually reading at the time the Tibetan book of the living and the dying. Very cheerful. But no, it's a brilliant book. And um, it's based on the great teachings of the Buddhist way of, of the soul's journey. And it really was helpful and comforting to me at the time of my, as my father was dying in the hospice. So... I have not read that book or heard really spoken about that book in 21 years. It was the week, the day my father died, I was reading it. So this week I asked for a sign and the first thing that popped up was on my phone, um, up popped uh, the book, the, the a cover, cover of the book, the um, the Tibetan book of the living and the dying, which I thought was very unusual. At first, I didn't recognize that on some level, this was a message from spirit for me as well to maybe go back and research and re, re look at that as part of my work. The second thing I put on the TV at around six o'clock in the evening, which I wouldn't usually do, up pops a program on Sky documents all about the Tibetan book of the living and the dying. And then the third one was a friend of mine asked me, by the way, have you ever read the book? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> the Tibetan book of the living and the dying. So I said, thank you, Charlie. Thank you for being around me because that to me 
because I was aware of it, is a symbol and a sign of that period of my life. So I guess why I'm sharing all that is maybe you can look at that and see where in your life you could ask your psyche, your soul, about those four elements, those four universal forces in your life. Maybe consider that. And now I want you to move on to, I have to recognise two of my heroes who both were born in January and who both, well, one made their transition actually today. Um, well, actually yesterday, pardon me, the 10th of January was yesterday. And it was when David Bowie made his transition. And then there was Elvis Presley. So Elvis Presley and David Bowie were both born on the 8th of January. Uh, Elvis Presley was born in 1935. He would have been 86. And David Bowie was born in 1947 in Brixton in the UK. And he would have been 74. Isn't that right? Yeah. Um, it's hard to remember it's 2021. Now, interestingly, the fact that they're born the same day, to me, again, I'm only speaking my own preference. They are one of my greatest um, heroes musicians, songwriters, teachers, spiritual artists that I've ever come across. David Bowie is a three life path. Elvis Presley is a nine and the three goes into nine three times. They're both born the eighth day, which is all about success, drive, ambition, money, and it's also about excess. Now we know Elvis, bless him, Elvis was excess in everything, in, you know, drink, drug, sex, food, relationships, um, and so forth. Uh, David Bowie would have had probably a lot of different experiences, all right, in lots of different ways. But he certainly, near the end of his life, he seemed to have found a real sense of peace and self-worth and uh, contentment. I don't think Elvis did. But Elvis had a very different vibration. Elvis came into this earth to be a master teacher. Um, as a nine life path, nines are usually spiritual leaders. And I believe through the work that Elvis did, he wasn't a saint by any means, but he was very connected spiritually. And when he died, he had a series of books beside his bed, which um, were hugely, you know, very much like the, the, the game of life and how to play it. He had definitely read that book. And there was another book he wrote and or had read and it's, it's on the tip of my tongue and I can't remember the name of it, but it'll come to me. And it was another one of those books from the 1920s, um, which was about spiritual healing. And um, he was very much into um, uh, all types of religious and spiritual documentation. David Bowie to me was not of this earth um, and that age would have come from very much about him, that drive, that driving force and that sense of, you know, as above, so below. I really believe he came from a different planet, genuinely, you know, he had this vibe about him that was just so rare and his music, I just love David Bowie's music and how through the decades of his work, he transformed physically completely transformed in all different ways, different characters, but also his music transformed, as did Elvis. Elvis was more a Christian and more a, um, you know, the spiritual uh, music from his background in Mississippi. And I felt I had to acknowledge those two wonderful men who both made their transitions over periods of time, but their work and their legacy still lives on. And I suppose... Wouldn't it be lovely to be able to leave a legacy of something for those whom we love now on the earth, that when we do physically leave 
our shell of the body that we have left something for those who we love. So maybe you can consider that today. Is there some gift or hobby or thing that you love to do that you know when you depart from the physical form that you will be able to leave as your legacy? So maybe consider that. And then I just wanted to finish off this podcast with a sort of a spirituality of the senses. And Oscar Wilde was is one of my another one of my heroes. And I just love this play with words. And it was he who said, nothing can cure the soul, but the senses, just as nothing can cure the senses, but the soul. And so in ancient spiritual traditions from the Egyptian to the Celtic, it has been recognised the sacredness of sensuality that has honoured the senses as spiritual messages. To be sensual or sensuous is to be in the presence of your own soul. And it was the wonderful John O'Donoghue in his book of spiritual wisdom, Anamkara, that said that. And he says, your senses link you intimately with the divine within you and around you. So while this spiritual truth could trigger a sense of, you know, um, exaltation, unfortunately, for many women, it's if the it's the complete opposite. So that's because we intellectually associate our senses with pleasure, which in turn is immediately associated, a lot of the time, perhaps with shame and guilt, because there might be and has been, through generations, women, particularly, it was almost like all work and no play, and certainly to be honour one's sensuality and sexuality and to enjoy it to actually enjoy sensual things there was a shame and a guilt associated so like no wonder like from the moment you know women particularly come into the earth you know anything that gives us pleasure you know for example if you eat a bit more than you normally would you might be told oh now 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 you know that would have been the old pattern so look A lifetime pattern of self and soul denial isn't going to be erased overnight. And let's be honest with it, there isn't. But we can start with talking about the birds and the bees. Now, I'm not talking about sex, much to your disappointment. We'll do that another day. But today I want to ponder the real sensual pleasures of the birds and the bees. So... Can you distinguish between the song of, we say, a starling, a wren or a robin? It's hard because the starling amuses herself in winter by imitating other birds' songs. Did you know that? And did you know that the little song thrush, that's real Dublin thrush, spends January whispering and that's her full music and that her full music only comes when she feels the pleasure of spring in the air. So when the thrush feels spring entering, she's only practising and then she comes into her own. Or did you know that the hedge thrush finds the perfect spot for her nest by singing? So if she experiences pleasure in the sound of her own song in a particular spot, that's where she'll lay her eggs. Isn't that lovely? And did you know, have you tried loads of different types of honey? You may not like honey. And that's what I thought until I discovered there are several hundred types of honey. 
And the flavour of honey comes from the nectar the all-female worker bees collect as they flirt and flit among the blossoms. So I was never a big fan of honey until I came to live in the southeast of Ireland and it was very renowned for its wonderful honey. And I have tasted so many different parts, types of honey, and it is so delicious. And, you know, it's so important that we enjoy the fruits of these wonderful, wonderful girls, these wonderful workers, these wonderful bees. So how about this afternoon? Have a nice cup of tea and maybe some toast and get some nice jams or honeys and lash it onto the bread and really enjoy the pleasure of eating what you enjoy because if spirit endowed the birds and the bees with sensual joys can you imagine what's waiting for you so dear friends enjoy the sensual and sensuality of good food, good friends, good being. And if I can be of assistance to you in any way, you know how to contact me. Numbers for success, number four in the middle, numbersforsuccess.com. As always, it is my absolute pleasure to bring as much information as I can about the soul to you. And until we speak again next week, much love and blessings.